Good evening, friends. Please turn in your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Found on page 1152 of the Pew Bible. This evening we're looking at this last passage of chapter 1, verses 40 to 45. But let's read the context of this, starting from verse 29. So listen to God's Word. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases, cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places. And they came to him from every direction. Amen. May God bless us the reading of his word. In the year 2000, there was a poll taken in the UK as to who was the most influential man and the most influential woman of the last 500 years. And the results were surprising because they point to the short-term nature of our understanding of history. The most influential man was deemed to be that of Nelson Mandela, and the most influential woman was Princess Diana. And while Diana is a surprising result, she did something that was against royal tradition. She stopped wearing gloves during public engagements. And she found that they were too impersonal. And this fashion choice was most noticeable when she visited AIDS patients in hospital in 1987. In the mid-80s, HIV or AIDS terrified the world because of a lack of understanding of the disease at that time. 
Well, Diana did something unthinkable. She shook the hand of an HIV sufferer. And this gesture changed the public perception of how this illness was spread. It also led to Diana becoming hugely popular with the British people compared to the other royals who were seen as out of touch. Well, in our passage this evening, we read of another untouchable, not someone suffering from AIDS, but someone who had leprosy, another disease that carried much shame with it. And so I want you to see that Jesus is willing to cleanse you of your shame by putting himself in that position so that you can be clean before a holy God. And this is the compassion you are to show to others. So firstly, learn from this parable that you are unclean, in need of cleansing. Now last week we considered Jesus' priority in preaching in his ministry. It was preaching, it wasn't to heal people. Remember how Simon came to tell him that everyone was looking for him. They wanted the healer, they wanted the miracle worker. But Jesus didn't come to heal And so his response to Simon's request was to go to other towns to preach the gospel. Yes, Jesus has authority to heal disease, and he proved that. And in doing so, he gives us a glimpse into what his kingdom is like, that it would be disease-free, that there would be no more suffering or crying. And this is wonderful news. But that wasn't Jesus' priority. His ministry was to preach that the kingdom of God had arrived in him. And so he wanted people to respond by repenting and believing in him. And so you would expect Mark to include one of Jesus' sermons now, after making it clear that his preaching is priority. But instead, this passage comes as a surprise. We don't read of a sermon, we read of another healing. Jesus heals a man of leprosy. And so we need to spend a few minutes considering the disease of leprosy. Leprosy was unlike other diseases. It was a skin disease that slowly spread across the body and it led to a loss of feeling. It caused a numbness so the skin is no longer uh, sensitive to external stimuli. And so the one suffering from leprosy, if they got a burn or if they got a cut, they wouldn't realize it. And so rather than pull their hand or their foot away, they would continue in what they were doing that was causing the injury, and so making it worse. Just consider your daily habits. You test the water before you take a shower to see if the temperature is okay. Without feeling, you have no idea. You carefully put wood into the fire. But if you can't feel the heat, well, then you're unaware of the danger. When you're using a tool, like a screwdriver, you stop when it hurts your hand. But for the leper, he continues. And so he cuts open his hands. And so this led to disfigurement. It led to horrible wounds and scars on the body. This disease was highly contagious, and so those with leprosy could no longer remain within their families or within their communities. They would be put out of their communities and forced to live in leprosy colonies. 
Not only will leprosy affect you physically and socially, it affected you spiritually. Those with leprosy were excluded from going to the temple. You could not go to worship God. You could not share in the blessings of the sacrifices that atone for your sin. You were, in effect, cut off from God because in having leprosy, you were deemed unclean. And so for that reason, leprosy is unlike any other disease. We have already considered how Jesus has authority over disease by healing people from a variety of diseases. And Mark is not simply repeating that point here. No, by including leprosy, Mark is demonstrating another authority that Jesus had. He had authority over leprosy, a disease that was symbolic of sin, a disease that spoke of your shame and uncleanness. And the result is we read of the word to be cleansed rather than healed in these verses. R.C. Trench, describing leprosy, said, it's an outward visible sign of innermost spiritual corruption. You and I have leprosy in that each one of us are unclean before God. Now, what do you do when you have a skin disease or you have a blemish on your skin? Well, you cover it up. You don't want people to see it. And we do the same with our sin. We try to pretend that we're not sinners, that we are better than we really are. We cover up our shame, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. In response to their sin, what did they do? Well, they hid themselves. They tried to cover themselves with leaves. But they couldn't hide from God. And you and I are in the same position. You are defiled by sin. We might be able to hide it from others, but you cannot hide it from God. That's a huge problem because God is holy. And you and I, we cannot stand before him because of the stain of our sin in our lives. That's why Mark includes this passage here. This cleansing of this man of leprosy is, as Hughes describes it, a parable of deliverance from sin. And so Jesus is preaching a message here that he would proclaim many times. You and I are not right with God because of our sin. And the solution that the religious leaders provide, they're only sticking plasters or band-aids that only cover up the ailment, but don't actually cure it. And this episode, rather than it being a distraction from Jesus and his preaching ministry, it actually gets to the heart of his preaching. He comes to rescue those who are sick with the disease of sin. He comes to remove the stain of sin by cleansing you so that you can come to God, so that you can have fellowship with him. Well, secondly, consider come humbly before Jesus, recognizing your sin, verses 40 to 41. So verse 40 begins with a leper coming to Jesus. That's not normal behavior. This would have been shocking to onlookers. Lepers are ostracized, they're excluded from the community. But this leper, he hears about a man who can heal diseases. And so in his desperation, he leaves the leper colony to meet Jesus. And he begs him to make him clean, to heal him. This man saw his issue not simply as a disease, 
but as a way of life that he wants to be free from. He wants to be made clean so he can be part of community again. Leviticus 13, verses 45 to 46, it helps us understand what it must have been like for this man. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean, and all the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. In Luke's account of this passage, Luke describes the man as full of leprosy. So not only has this man got leprosy, clearly this leprosy is evident to all. His hands, his face are ravaged by this disease. He is repulsive to look at. Everywhere he went, he shouted, unclean, unclean. And the Jewish teachers of the law, they added additional rules as they liked to do, which were very strict. Uh, lepers were to carry a bell with them wherever they went to, notice, to notify anyone getting too close that they had leprosy. And if you were within 100 cupids or 150 feet from a leper, well, that would deem you as being unclean. It's even stricter if you found yourself downwind from a leper. It would only be six feet. This was a devastating disease. Now, leprosy in the Bible, it covers all skin diseases. But if you had actual leprosy, there was no cure. You were as good as dead. And so lepers were treated as dead men walking. But remember, Jesus is teaching us something. You and I are sinners. But this gives you a picture of how serious your sin is. You and I are like dead men walking. We should be shouting, unclean, unclean, for that is the truth of who we are. That is the humility that you and I should be demonstrating. The man in his humility, he's on the ground. He's fully aware of his sinful condition. And we too should find ourselves on our knees, convicted of our sin. Another response to sin is to recognize the sin in your life and yet believe that you are unforgivable, that your sin is so shameful that you're too bad for Christ. But that's actually a form of pride. You're saying your sin is too great even for Jesus to forgive, that he would want nothing to do with you. And that is what this man is thinking, for he was full of leprosy. He's disfigured. He is grotesque. And that's why he said to Christ, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So although he knew that Jesus could cleanse him, he wasn't sure if Jesus would cleanse him. Why would Jesus, this up-and-coming preacher, this man of popularity, cleanse this man of this terrible condition of leprosy? Why would he compromise himself? by associating with a leper. Why would Jesus come near him? For that would deem him also to be unclean. So are you aware of your hopeless condition? Are you willing to admit to your shame and your need of cleansing? Are you on your knees, crying out before Jesus humbly, asking him to make you clean? Well, thirdly, notice Jesus is willing to cleanse you of your sin no matter the sin, verse 41. Jesus' response is one of compassion. This compassion is better described as gut-wrenching compassion. 
even anger. He hated sin. He hated the ravages that sin had on this man and in this community. And so Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him. Now Mark in his gospel is usually so brief. But notice, he uses a lot of words in describing how Jesus healed this man. Mark wants you to picture Jesus, to see how he is moved with compassion. He wants you to see him do the unthinkable by stretching out his hand and touching this man, telling the man, I am willing, be cleansed. And these details that helps you see who your Savior is, that he's altogether lovely, that he's caring for those in need. Last week, we considered Jesus' resurrection touches, how he raised up Peter's mother-in-law. Well, this man who was kneeling on the ground was touched by Jesus. As soon as Jesus said, be cleansed, he was healed. Now, Jesus could have made this man clean without any touch. But to be touched by someone is so meaningful. Haven't we felt that during this pandemic? One result of the pandemic is now a hesitation to shake someone's hand, to give someone a hug. And the loss of touch, it makes many feel detached, makes community cold. Well, for this man who has been in isolation for many years, he must have longed to be embraced by his fellow man. What must the weight of Jesus' hand felt like as it came to rest on this untouchable man? How meaningful that Jesus Christ reached out to him and touched him. He would feel connected again to society, to know dignity and love after years of neglect. Well, how often do you feel excluded because of your shame? You feel unloved. How do you respond? Sadly, we often go to the wrong places or the wrong people to find acceptance in our shame. We see that with young people especially. Young people, when you feel excluded by society, when you feel that you don't fit in, the danger is to surround yourself with others that feel the same way. That won't help you. It only reinforces your exclusion. Now go to Christ. He will embrace you. He will welcome you. And more than that, he cleanses you of your shame. Once you've been touched by Christ, you have been changed forever. But what Jesus did was shocking. Not only was there the risk of contagion, contagion by this disease, but in touching this man, he's making himself ceremonially unclean. He's under the judgment of the law. Why would Jesus do this? Why heal this man if it meant himself becoming unclean? Well, Ferguson writes, he's demonstrating the power of his kingdom, but he's also demonstrating the way in which his kingdom comes. Through identifying himself with us in our sin and bearing the judgment of the law of God against it. Jesus is the king. He's come to free us from the kingdom of sin and uncleanness that we are enslaved in. This is how he would do it. He became sin for us. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, 
that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus doesn't simply embrace you saying, there, there, it's going to be okay. No, he actually removes your shame. Jesus infects you with his righteousness. And so you have freedom before God without judgment. Your sin has been removed. And what Jesus did for this leper is what he's done for you. If you have come before him humbly, he's touched you, he's cleansed you off your sin. But your sin doesn't simply disappear. No, Christ takes it, and so he bears the consequences of it. And that would ultimately be death on the cross. A death that we deserved. And so we see a reversal. What we deserve, Christ took on himself, so we enjoy the freedom that Christ has. And this reversal is even evident in this passage. At the end of the passage, the leper, the outsider, he is brought to the inside. He is back with his community. And it is Jesus who is now excluded. He is in the outside. He is in the desolate places, unable to come in. Well, this is the purpose of Christ coming into this world. This is what he was preaching about. He came for the lost. He came for those who are ashamed. He came for the excluded. And so remember, Jesus is willing. He is compassionate. He says, come to me and I will embrace you. Well, fourthly, you are to notice you are to submit yourself to the king rather than hinder his rule. Verses 43 to 45. So Jesus reaches out, he touches the man, he touches his face and his hands covered in sores, distorted and ugly, but transforms them, removing the leprosy, healing him so his skin is fresh and new again. He can feel with his fingers and his toes. No longer does he have to say, unclean, unclean, for he is now a clean man. He has been healed But sadly, it appears that this healing only goes skin deep. The ending to the passage is tragic. This man, like many others, he mistook Christ's identity. Jesus gives him a command. And notice, it's a strict warning. In no circumstance is he to share what's happened to him. He's not to share it with others. Now, before studying this passage, I always had sympathy for this man who had been cured. He's excited. It's unsurprising that he cannot keep it to himself. This is an unreasonable request for Jesus to make. That's really not good enough. This is his king speaking to him, and he ignores him. He does exactly what Jesus asked him not to do. And why does Jesus make this strange request to say nothing and go to the priests? Well, what Jesus asked is a requirement of Old Testament law. Jesus kept the law perfectly. He did not come to abolish the law, but fulfill it. This fulfillment wouldn't take place until his death and resurrection. And so up till this point, Jesus is abiding to the ceremonial law. And Jesus also did not want this miracle to be misunderstood. We considered this last time. He does not want to be known exclusively for signs and wonders. 
He was wary of the popularity and the desire that the people had for a Messiah that would make them healthy, that would make their life easier. Instead, he was concerned about the preaching of the kingdom, declaring to the people that he is the king and that he is the king who would have to suffer. And he knew that his people would not grasp this until he offered his life on the cross and when he rose triumphant over the grave. And so by this man disobeying, he clearly misunderstood Jesus' identity and is saying in effect that he knows better than his king. Too often we think we know better than God. We too disregard his commands, thinking it doesn't matter, it's only this once. No, you are called to submit to Christ the King. That's in every area of your life. That's what the kingship of Christ means. It affects your personal lives. It affects your families. It affects your work and your leisure. You might not like it, but you are called to submit to Christ the King. And what Jesus does ask of him is very interesting, to go and visit the priest. It's not an arbitrary request. The leper, in fulfilling Old Testament law, he was supposed to present two live birds to the priests, one of which was killed and its blood was shed and dripped onto the other bird, which was released. One dies, so the other goes free. Well, this demonstrates that uncleanness deserves death. But through this sacrifice, this bird dies in your place. And because of that death, you go free. But this leper doesn't do the sacrifice that Jesus asked him to do. He therefore missed the point of Jesus' mission, that Jesus came to sacrifice his life, for he is the suffering servant. Jesus' mission is more than cleansing people of leprosy. This cleansing pointed to his death, pointed forward to his death, when his blood would cleanse you of your shame. The result of being clean is that you would be in community with God who is holy, and so you're no longer an outcast. Well, sadly, this leper didn't understand this. You and I, we have the full picture. We see the completed work of Christ our King, and therefore you are to trust him. You are to trust in his sacrifice. And you are to obey him in response. But one other consequence of this man not going to the priests was he missed the opportunity to testify to the priests of this amazing miracle. People with leprosy, in the strictest sense of the word, didn't get cured. In the Old Testament, there are only two cases of leprosy being cured. Miriam, the sister of Moses, and Naaman, the Syrian general. And both of them were healed by divine intervention. And so it was understood that only God heals leprosy. In Jewish tradition, it was said that it was as hard to heal someone from leprosy as it is to raise someone from the dead. And so the priests, they missed this testimony that God was in their midst, evident in his work of healing someone from leprosy. And so this man did not give the priest the opportunity to investigate the miracle. And so instead, this man became an obstacle to Jesus by speaking instead to the people. And as Wilmhurst says, it's hardly likely that he tells them God's promised kingdom has arrived and that he has met the king. 
If nothing else, the fact that he directly disobeys Jesus' clear instructions proves he has not recognized him as the king. No, he tells everyone that he's been healed of leprosy and that he's been healed by Jesus. And the result is Jesus can no longer enter the city. People have to come out to him, and it appears they did, most likely bringing their sick with them. Wilmhurst says Jesus did not come to give people a normal life. He came to give people eternal life. Well, this is what your king has done for you. Are you an obstacle to your king? Do you hinder the work of the kingdom? You and I were called to be followers of Christ the King, and that means you are to obey him. Well, finally, notice the compassion that Jesus showed is the way you are to react to others. Today, Jesus is not commanding you to be silent. Instead, he is telling you to speak up for him, the King, telling others of the work in your life, of his touch, of his cleansing power, and of the newness of life that you now have. And this should be evident in the church community, reminding each other who we are, men and women who have been cleansed of our sin. And so our attitude should be that of humility, and yet also gratitude to Christ for the compassion that he's shown to us. Sadly, too often churches are characterized by pride and judgmental attitudes, That is far from Christ's attitude, even though he is perfect. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this earth as a perfect man, and yet he made himself unclean, so unclean that Isaiah tells us that man could not look upon him. He made himself like a leper. He was despised and removed from the city, and he did this to save not the good, but the unclean, the untouchable. Hughes writes, we have to be willing to take the hand of those whom we would help. We are great in theory, we are careful about our doctrine, but we need to lay our hand on some rotting flesh in our neighborhood, in the executive towers where we work, in the city slums. We cannot expect this to be only the job of missionaries, because a church that does not regularly place its hands on the rotting humanity around it will not be sending missionaries to do so either. The growth of Christianity was explosive when the church did just this. Dionysus, Bishop of Alexandria, speaks of this love for the untouchables during a pandemic in and around the year 262 AD. He writes, most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and curing others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. This evident Christ-likeness Taking death in order to give life is a compassion that you and I are to demonstrate to others. Jesus is willing, and so must you be. While it's very unlikely that we are called to sacrifice our lives for others, you are to be willing to sacrifice your time, 
or your energy, or your finances for others. So what does it mean for a church to show compassion to the community around us? Well, Christ did not do it from a distance. No, he did it through his touch. And so likewise, you must be embracing those who you're reaching out to so that they see, that they understand the compassion of Christ, and that is from Christ. Our society is broken. The pandemic has resulted in many who are now excluded from society. Well, you are to reach out to them with Christ's love. So remember, Jesus is willing to cleanse you of your shame by putting himself in that position so that you can be clean before a holy God. And this is the compassion that you are to show to others. Amen. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly, for we are like this leper. We are sinful and unclean. And so we look to Christ to cleanse us of our sin, which he did on the cross. And so we thank you for his work of making us clean so we can appear before you, a holy God, so we can relate to you and have fellowship with you. And so, Lord, help us to show compassion to others, that we would reach out to those in need and take them to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, let's close our service singing Psalm 51a. This psalm speaks of being cleansed from every stain of sin. And this is ultimately through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He washes us clean. He makes us as white as snow. So let's praise God singing Psalm 51a.